Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Good morning, everyone. It's Monday. I was just thinking this is the first Monday since the time changed that I felt like everything was happening at the right time. So I hope that <laughs> anyone else out there who went through that time change is also feeling it's kind of getting into the normal swing of things, and I hope it's warming up wherever you are. And today I am so excited that we have Erica Fenerick. Actually, I should have asked you how to say that. I probably just butchered oh, it. Is that how like dead people. Oh, forensic. forensic. Oh, yay. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. that is a great, that is a great thriller name. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so if you guys have never read Erica yet, she has some amazing books out that take place in, in the settings are just incredible. So you definitely need to go look her up. And if you haven't read her books yet, I'm going to introduce her with her bio here so you can get to know her. And then we're going to dig in because people who have been longtime listeners know that I'm kind of a Greenland geek and this book takes place there. So I'm so excited. So I'm going to try not to geek out. <laughs> and I will introduce you here to um, Erica Forensic, considers her master's in creative writing from Boston University, just beginning a literary education. Her 35 years of writing, novels, short stories, essays, ghostwriting, 10 years of stand-up and sketch comedy, as well as dozens of screenplays and a brief filmmaking stint was her boots-on-the-ground training. Her work has appeared in Salon and the Boston Globe, as well as National Public Radio. She says she was raised in the winds in the wilds. Sorry, it's Monday, guys. In the wilds <laughs> of right. upstate New York <laughs> during the era when, rightly or wrongly, you could take off after school and explore and no one worried as long as you were home by dark. I remember those days. Not now she lives days. in Metro... <laughs> Right? In Metro Boston yeah. with her very tolerant husband and enormous Maine Coon cat. She's in love with her family and friends and startling beauty of the natural world and the wonders that lay half hidden in everyday life. And I did put a link to Erica's website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you're listening live or if you're listening later, you can click that anytime and sign up for her newsletter and go check out all of her books and that kind of thing. And she's also on Twitter, so her handle for Twitter is on there as well. So I don't want to delay any further. Erica, are you there? I am. I am. <laughs> Thanks so much for being life. here today. <laughs> I know, right? No, right? Now, you, now you sit there going, what? <laughs> I know, right? I did that? Oh. <laughs> yeah, every time I, I go on a podcast and they read everything, I think, wait, I did that? Um, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. But I'm so glad that you're here today because your new book sounds fabulous. Do you want to tell everybody about Girl in Ice? Yeah, sure. So Girl in Ice is the story of a linguist named Val, an American linguist, who is tasked to go to an extremely remote climate research center off the coast of Greenland where a girl has been found in a glacier. She's thawed out alive, and she's speaking a wow. language no one understands. Uh, five months before the novel, I'm sorry, eight months before the novel, Val's twin brother, Andy, who was a climate researcher, climate researcher up in this remote outpost, walks out 
50 degrees below zero Arctic night and freezes to death. Now, could be a, he could be he took his life, but actually Val is not is not so sure. But the story begins where Val gets an email from Wyatt, who was the only other researcher up there, who was Andy's mentor, telling her about this girl, saying that she's talking in a language no none of us understands, and you are you're the linguist. You know you're the specialist in dead Nordic languages. Can you come up here and and talk to the girl? And she's petrified. I mean, she has her own problems. I mean, she has a pretty severe uh, anxiety disorder that makes her comfortable in only a few places. But in the emails, just a little clip of the girl speaking. Um, So she clicks that, and then she hears this voice. It's full of trauma. It's full of terror. But she doesn't understand a word this girl is saying. The tone of this kid's voice is enough to have her jump, you know, get out of her shell and, and, and make the journey to Greenland um, to, you know, not only figure out what happened to her brother, really, but to try to understand this girl. So that's, that's oh, the basic premise of the book. Sounds fantastic. And I didn't realize that it, I knew it was her brother, but I didn't realize it was her twin brother. Do they have that twin connection? I mean, could she, do you think she knew that he was gone? Um, I don't know if that's a big part of the story. I know they're kind of the kind of twins that are very, quite opposite, actually, um, in terms of being in favor with father. I mean, Andy was the, the more, you know, the more charismatic one. He was the brave one. He was the one that went out uh, on all these adventures. And she's the one who stayed home and stayed safe. And, you know, her, their father was a climate researcher himself. And he was renowned in the scientific community. Oh. And he's, yeah, and he's in his 90s. And, and she goes to visit him dutifully, dutiful daughter, right? But she tells him about this email and about hearing the girl and and about the, you know, invitation to go up there. And he says, you're going to go. You're going to find out what happened to Andy, you know. Uh, or no. He says that. He says, or don't bother coming back to see me. So Wow. There's that. There's that as well. So she. There's some know, family well, dynamics, too. You got some family <laughs> dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> got to have those. So I have to. I have to ask because I was checking out your other books and you have a book in a jungle and what, what made you pick Greenland? What, where did Greenland come into all this? Well, so the whole, the, the, the idea for the story came, I live in the Northeast and the, the story came, I was walking in a woods behind my house in the winter of 2017 and there was this pond and it was completely frozen. And along the edge of the pond, there was three juvenile painted turtles and they were frozen just mid stroke. And they didn't look alive, but they didn't look dead either. So, I mean, their eyes were open. So I, so I went home and I Googled, you know, things that can freeze and thaw out alive. And it turns out there are some creatures that can do that. Some certain wood frogs, alligators, a kind of microscopic creature called a tardigrade. Some plants can do it. Uh, many, many plants can do it, actually. But in the animal world, the ones that can do it have a certain cryoprotein. This is a protein that protects the cells when they freeze from destroying the cells. We do not possess this cryoprotein, um, although we can freeze an embryo because it's only 120 cells. It's a little different. We have that technology. But in any case, in my mind came an image of a girl 
in a glacier and I just saw her foot like she was running away and I from there you know my task was like who is this girl what is she running from what happened to her um and I love writing along the line of just along the line of what's real and what isn't so that the reader is almost guessing saying well maybe that could happen you know um I love science and language um, and I just, I've always adored Arctic settings. I don't know why. I don't have a big explanation for it. I I do, there is a scene in Frankenstein, actually, where, I don't know if you remember this, but he's disappearing into, it's at the end, and he's, you know, beaten and bloodied and given up on mankind. And he just, he just, um, he's disappearing into this Arctic wilderness. It's it's at Mont Blanc, and his big black blocky silhouette is just disappearing into this Arctic wilderness. And I guess that scene has never left me. Um, it's haunted me, and just the feeling of that is still always something that I've wanted to capture somehow. Um, so I, I just go ahead, yeah. Well, and when this idea came to you, and and I love that you ran to Google because I'm a writer too, and then when you see something strange, you can't help but make up a backstory for all these, you know, and then you learn about cryoproteins. It's like (laughs) suddenly in an hour, you're a scientist. Um, But but what (laughs) was it just the cold that made you decide to set it in Greenland? And then you actually went there, didn't you? I did. I spent a month there, but um, uh, I wanted to, I, I'd always been fascinated by Greenland just because it just seemed like a place to me no one ever talked about and why, you know, it's this massive piece of land. It's a third the size of Canada. Um, it, you know, it's up in the, not all of it is in the Arctic circle, but most of it is in the Arctic circle. And who lived it? Who lives there? You know, just a fascinating place. I it was between Greenland and Antarctica, but I needed an indigenous population, which Antarctica does not have as far as we know. Um, and right. I also needed certain, yeah, certain animals. Um, and also the third reason is, you know, I was on deadline and just to get to Antarctica was just so much more difficult. I um, mean, in terms of waiting, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, right. whereas, whereas Greenland, you know, wasn't a, wasn't a snap either, but I could do it, you know, given the time allowed right. for the book. So, right. it, it was just, and then the more I thought about it, it's just like, oh, that's the perfect place because like people know a little, but it's still enough that it's mysterious, you know? Right. I mean, right. I mean, Give it time. I've been yeah, right. Well, I've been obsessed with Greenland since fourth grade because the teacher <laughs> pulled down the atlas in fourth grade. You know, they pulled down the giant map, yeah. and I see this they giant do. island that says Greenland, and I said, "What's that?" And she said, "It's Greenland. No one goes there." And as soon as <laughs> she said that, <laughs> yes. Yes, oh and as soon as she said that, my obsession began, and I read, <laughs> I, I have on Greenland, I just, I, I can't let it go, um, and so someday I will put my feet in Greenland, even though I'm a San Diego native, and I know, 
I know I'll be miserable. I'm such a weather wimp, but I can't stop thinking about it. I read books about it. I see um, I once sent out a tweet on Twitter. Is anyone from Greenland on Twitter? And it took six years, but someone from Greenland answered me. We Ah. talked back and forth on Twitter for days. It was amazing. (laughs) Wow. Well, if you do that now, you're going to get It feels like the last frontier. (laughs) It does feel like that. It's yeah, it, that's why it's, you're obsessed with it. I don't know. I don't know. I am slightly woo-woo, so I wonder if you know, in a past life, did I live there? Because it's anti everything that I, I'm. I I hate being cold, you know. But I have to go there. Right. So it's it's right. very weird. I feel like when I put my feet in Greenland, I will have some kind of epiphany of why this connection is there, but. It's just, Mm, it's very odd. So it's something about the desolation and the mystery that people just don't go there. I don't know if you saw the Ben Stiller did the secret life of Walter Mitty and part of it was filmed in Greenland. So I had to see it. Um, Okay. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He actually, they filmed part of it in Greenland. And the part in Greenland is very funny. Like he goes in the bar and it's a karaoke bar and there's one person in there and he's singing a breakup (laughs) song and he says, never cheat on your girlfriend when the population is eight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that makes sense. Totally. Yeah, so well, it was it was funny, but but I I just I'm fascinated with it, and I love that you went there for a month. What kind of cool adventures did you go on there that well, ended up in for, the book? Um, that ended up in the book. Well, uh, I do. First of all, Greenland, as you know, as as if if your readers don't know, it's it's the largest island in the world. It has the second largest ice cap to Antarctica, fifteen hundred miles north to south, wow. 700 miles east to west. And the ice cap itself, at its thickest, is two miles deep. Wow. And has been frozen, frozen for three million years. And what another interesting thing is there are only 56,000 people live there. I mean, I, think about that. Think about the population of your town. I mean, my town was in Framingham. We have 77,000 people. So 56,000 people spread out over a land mass a third the size of Canada. Wow, is, is remarkable, and most live in the capital of Nuuk and UK. And but so these tiny little little villages, 250 people, 120 people, along the coast, because no one lives on the ice cap. No one lives on that on the on on, on the ice cap. There's no game. You know, there's 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 nothing. Right. Um, and this is a hunting and subsistence culture, which is one thing to read about. But it's another to witness that, you know, to, to eat, you go hunt something. Um, and it was fascinating. I mean, our, our guide was a hunter, he, and we learned about their quotas, you know, now for narwhal, minky whale, walrus, polar bear. Wow. Um, we Let me just also say that uh, I didn't go to Greenland. I never go to any of my research places. The first, the first step for me, and I'm sure for you, is the story. What's the story? You know, mm-hmm. um, I can't afford to just go places and think of a story. <laughs> right, um, right. I, <laughs> We're writers. I mean, we can't oh, afford I, that. I think I'm in agreement. Maybe something will occur to me now. 
Um, I, I had the story, and I actually have had the first draft before I went because I need to know who to interview, what to ask them, where to go, what to look for um, when I when I did the research, and and it was overwhelmingly strange and as you say desolate, um, and just the scale of the ice and and the mountains. I mean, it's this massive you know, ice caps surrounded by these black mountains that jut up out of the sea. I mean, the Vikings called it Greenland so that uh, people wouldn't go to to Iceland. They're trying to... Right. <laughs> you know, that was, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, lore, that's the lore <laughs> anyway. But, um, so we, we, we took uh, helicopter trips to the ice cap. We Everyone had a gun because there were polar bears. And they're wow, very aggressive. Um, and we took kayaks into these fjords, and we went into this fjord called the Iceberg Graveyard. And it was so cold Ooh. because these, for whatever reason, the currents would wash in. When I say wash, it, it's very slow. These things are as big as cathedrals, massive, massive icebergs. And they're shaped in all these strange shapes, and they, they gather in this one inlet well, many inlets, but especially the one we were in. And we were kayaking. You're not supposed to get close to them. Uh, We were hearing all the time explosions of calving bergs and uh, glaciers in a far distant way. And so I asked our our guide, like, what if, you know, one of these massive things breaks right here? And he said, well, you should always be listening to – here, if one breaks, you need to turn your kayak immediately toward the sound because a massive wave will be created and you'll and you'll and you'll breach. You know. So, oh my god, we were like, <laughs> so we were all like, okay, what are we gonna do? That Go sounds home, terrifying. You know? It was just, yeah. we just like, I'll shut up. It was like, we need to get us to shut up. You know. And then we just yeah. listened, and it didn't happen, but we. There was another um, group that was going under this, you know, massive ice arch, and it was so stupid because they can break at any time, you know, and and it's over. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. <sighs> so it was great. It was a terrific time. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds a little intense. I do it again. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> it I didn't was great. Leave. <laughs> I didn't want to leave. So since you had the first draft of your book done, I know I I once mm-hmm. wrote a book with a firefighter hero, and I had written half the book before I finally interviewed, found a fire captain to interview, and I'm like, oh, shoot, I had to make massive changes. But um, uh, did you, after you went, did you were there parts of your book that you really needed to go in and change, or were you just amping up, you know, the, the setting and all that kind of thing? Well, unlike you, and that sounds unfortunate because I know how that feels. Yeah, um, I, I, luckily, <laughs> that was miserable. I, I, you know, it sucks. It really sucks. Um, but luckily, I didn't have that problem I, because I had read so much before, and mainly it was a validation of a lot of different things. But just to go there, and I mean, you know, the I didn't, I didn't know the air was going to be like it was so clean. You could just eat it. You know, it was so 
clean and cold. And Mm -hmm. I felt high. I felt like the percentage of oxygen was just triple what I'm normal, you know, used to. And I'd never seen northern lights before. And you read about them and you see pictures, but just to see them, they move so fast. I had no idea that. I thought they lingered, but um, it's seconds. Yeah. They're on one side of the sky and then the other side of the sky. Oh. Wow. Flipping all over the place and and just the way icebergs behave, they, they, sometimes they flip. Like they'll just turn like one side and just, these are as big as, they're just park, you know, parking garages, right? And one side mm-hmm. might just melt so much so that it, the weight shifts and this massive thing, it just flips over. Wow. And it's <laughs> very strange. Creating these waves that, Kind of massive waves, and I saw Do you a lot feel of whales. like going there added like a whole new dimension to the book when you went back through it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Just you know the finer points of things. You know what people ate, um, mm-hmm. how everything looked and tasted and felt and smelled, and this feeling of. Constantly having to be aware of your surroundings, which I, I, you know, I, I learned that for the first time in the jungle when I spent a month in the Peruvian Amazon researching into the jungle. That was, that was my biggest lesson was, I mean, I went into, I spent a month with, with my Peruvian guide and the first day there, I'm chatting, 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 you know, and he says very nicely, he says, Erica, shut up because <laughs> he's listening. Because he's listening. And he, what is he listening uh-huh. to? He's listening to, like, maybe there's a troop of monkeys a half a mile away, and he knows exactly what kind they are, titi, woolly, whatever. He knows what kind they are, how fast they're coming toward us, everything. And he knows, <laughs> and he, you know, he could, like, hear with his feet. He, he knew, for example, there's this kind of pig it's called a white lip peccary and they're 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 you know these big dumb pigs and they run in these herds and they don't stop they'll run you over and and one day we were in the jungle and and he said we need to find shelter like in minutes you know because there was a big herd coming toward us and they won't stop nice. they'll just run us over so we just had to find shelter we found this enormous tree it's called a lupuna tree tucked ourselves in the root system um and they ran past us. But, you know, the same thing in the Arctic, you know, you, you're very alone, but you're not alone because there are polar bears out there and, and they're very, very quiet. Uh, they know how to move very quietly. And, um, yeah, so, wow, it was fun. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. So where is your next adventure? Are you already working on your next book? I am. I can't talk too much about it oh, okay. uh, at this point. That's okay. No, no, but it's called The Intelligence, and it, it's about nature turning on us. Oh, okay. That yeah, sounds exciting. that's really all I can, can <laughs> say at this point. So, but I highly well, recommend I wanted to. 
Yes. Yeah, oh, I can't wait. Someday. <laughs> well, yes. I was going to ask you, our, our listeners are always really interested in what your writing journey was because it's so different for everyone. And yours sounds really yeah. incredible with movie making and, and comedy writing and going from stand-up comedy to Greenland. Um, but can you yeah. tell everybody kind of what, what the journey was that got you to be a novelist? Oh, sure. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I'm old, so here's the deal. Decades go by, you do stuff, right? I mean, I started in my 20s. I'm 63. Um, in my 20s, actually, I was a fine artist. And then I woke up one day with no interest in being a fine artist anymore, a painter. And I wanted to be a writer. I'd always been writing. I wrote novels. They didn't sell. I did stand up for 10 years. It taught me a lot. It taught me discipline how to be prolific, how to take rejection, all this stuff. Uh, then I got sick of it, got into screenwriting. I wrote <laughs> dozens of screenplays. I was director of development for a film company. Must have read a thousand screenplays, but that taught me structure. Went back to novel mm-hmm. writing. I got my master's in creative writing. Um, I wrote several more books that didn't go anywhere. And uh, I, I'm gonna, I am, an, I'm much more a novelist than I am a screenwriter. I'm not collaborative at all, you know. I want to do it myself right. and have mm-hmm. control. Um, but uh, yeah, so my first novel was published in 2017 after 35 years of trying, and I don't want to tell it's going to take 35 years. Right, right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, there, there is the lesson there. You know, you have to be persistent but at the same time you Mm -hmm. have to be you have to learn you can't say well I'm going to do it the same way and expect a different result we all know what that means you know right Um, right I mean of course be yourself you're only ever going to be able to see through one set of eyes and have one history but um, this is a very complex complex thing you're doing writing even writing a, a short story it's a There's so many things to keep in mind. You know, character, point of view, Mm -hmm. dialogue, tone, pacing. I mean, we're like surgeons. It's so difficult sometimes. Right. Right. Just relax and write, right? You know? Yeah, right. You know? Riz. Yeah, settle in and just write um, those words. (laughs) Yeah, just write those words. Um, But for me, you know, I've learned the hard way that I, I come up with an idea. And I vet that idea. You know, it's not just any idea. It's an idea that survives weeks of thinking. And, um, and it has to be an idea that I'm passionate about for four years or so. Here I am talking to you. I thought of this in 2017. I have to sound passionate. I am passionate, but I have to, you know what I mean? It has to be something that jazzes right. me to talk right. about. Um Plus, and then you're going like, to read it 50 million times before that ever billion. comes out. That's, <laughs> it's like if I have to read this book one more time, I'm going to vomit. Oh, I'm going to just, I'm going to lose my breakfast totally. And, and it's so true. And people say, do you listen to your book? On t-? No, I do not. It's like a child. No, like, I've read know, it on, so many times. College. Go away. Leave me alone. Um, <laughs> So then I write an outline, and that outline takes me three or four months. Because, um, uh, well, that's just how I do it. Then I'll write mm-hmm. a first draft. That that saves me countless drafts. I don't do draft after draft. I do 
you know, and when I say draft, my third draft is not that different from my first because I've done done a detailed outline that I'm not the kind of person or writer that, you know, no, I I need to, if something happens on page 284 and I need to plan it on page 25, I need to know that. Right. I need to know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You've written 49. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, well, before we run out of time, I wanted to find out from you how, when readers get excited about these books, um, do you communicate? I know you're on Twitter. Is there a way for readers yeah. to get in touch with you, sign up for your newsletter? How do you like to communicate with readers? Oh, thank you. Um, well, when you go to my website, you'll see, a, you know, the old pop-up, <laughs> and you'll get, um, <laughs> the, you know, the queue to sign up for my newsletter. And once you do that, um, I, I think that the system, like, records your email. But you can, on my contact page, it's legit, you know. You want to tell me, ask me something, go ahead and write to me there. Or if you're on Goodreads, go to my author page, ask me a question. Um, I'm really good at getting back to people, so... Uh, any question at all is fine. Yeah. Really the best and readers thing. who are listening, you never know your, your good feedback to an author can sometimes inspire them to get back to the keyboard on a really hard day. So definitely reach yeah. out and, and let an author know it that their words easier. touched I you. To you. <laughs> yeah, it does not. Yeah, and it doesn't get easier. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some fantasy. It would, but no. <laughs> yeah, no. But thanks so much for being here, Erica. I could talk to you all day, but um, everybody go out and grab Girl in the Ice right now. It has Greenland in it. Um, <laughs> Greenland, what, what else do you want? Right? What more could you ask for? A girl frozen in Greenland. But <laughs> thanks so much for being here, Erica. It was thanks great so chatting much. with you. Okay. Okay, Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.